This episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast is sponsored by Shopify Plus. From first pop of color to retail floor, you need a commerce platform to help you scale at the speed of your ideas. That's why over 5,000 of the world's fastest growing beauty brands like ColourPop, Lily Lashes, and Kylie Cosmetics rely on Shopify Plus to sell to their customers around the world. You'll be able to go wherever your customers are from New York to Instagram, and they'll make sure you look brilliant in every shade from pop-up shop to mobile. Learn more about Shopify Plus at shopify.com beauty. Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy, and today's guest is Nancy Twine, the founder and CEO of clean hair care brand, Briogeo. In this episode, we talk to Nancy about how a career on Wall Street led her to find the white space in the beauty market, why she's moving Briogeo into new categories, and how she's using price transparency to educate her customers about ethical product sourcing. Hope you enjoy the episode. So today on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have the founder and CEO of Briogeo, Nancy Twine. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. Um, So Nancy, you started your career in finance and worked in commodities at Goldman Sachs. What led you to launching a beauty brand? Yeah, so um, it's quite the story, actually. Um, So I went to the University of Virginia undergrad, and uh, University of Virginia has an undergraduate business school. So that's what I kind of went through. And um, I was a finance major, and I actually interned at Goldman Sachs for two summers before landing a job full time. And um, it was actually the summer of 2007, um, which was the start of the housing crisis. So it was a very scary time to be launching a career in finance. Um, But, you know, at the time, so many of my friends were getting laid off from jobs that they had just gotten. And I was just so grateful to have a job. And um, even though I knew just after a couple of months of starting within the role that you know, commodities and sales and trading was not something I was super passionate about. I stayed put because I had bills to pay. I had college loans to pay off and um, I had to do what I had to do. Um, And unfortunately, three years after starting at Goldman Sachs, I lost my mom really suddenly and tragically in a car incident. And it was the first time that I had ever lost anyone so close to me. And my perception of, you know, life and the time that we're given on this earth just completely changed. And I knew that I had to do something bigger with my life and, you know, not be really kind of stuck in the rut of a career that I wasn't passionate about. So I kind of used the time after my mom's passing to start really exploring what it was that I wanted to do. And actually, before my mom passed, she was in the process of starting her own skincare product line. Um, We have a really interesting family background. Me and my mom used to make our own natural beauty products at home um, in the kitchen growing up. And as I was doing the soul searching, um, it's just really interesting kind of how the stars aligned. And I really kind of went back to those roots of... Um, making products with my mom and um, also seeing that the beauty landscape was really starting to change at the time. Um, It's when, you know, especially in mass, places like Whole Foods were starting to devote shelf space to natural personal care, but it really hadn't happened yet um, in prestige beauty. 
And long story short, um, I started, you know, kind of digging into the research um, of the market, literally reading, you know, analyst reports on the natural personal care market. And um, I knew that this trend that was happening in mass uh, wasn't just a trend, that it was actually a shift in the way that consumers were thinking about beauty. And it hadn't happened yet in prestige, but I knew that it was only a matter of time that it did. And um, kind of long story short, it became the start of what became my journey and contemplating and ideating Briogeo. So Briogeo is a hair care brand, and yes. you sell a slew of shampoos and conditioners. You have 13 products coming out later this year, if that's correct. Yeah. Um, why hair care? What were you seeing there? Yeah, so it's interesting because as I was delving through these research reports, there were like three key things that I took note of. Um, one was the fact that, as I mentioned, most of the natural brands that were popping up were in mass. So uh, Prestige was still kind of in the infancy stages of starting to embrace clean. Um, the other thing I took note of was that in all of these research reports, the brands that existed uh, were primarily focused within personal care, body, skin, but no one was really owning clean within hair care. Um, and then the next thing that I kind of realized, too, was that there weren't really any brands that were catering to more of a diverse audience. Um, and so kind of understanding those three trends, I said, hey, if I'm going to leave this great paying job to go out and venture on my own, I want to you know, get into a category that isn't totally saturated. Um, so that was part of the reason. But the other part of the reason is that um, I've always had like a personal journey with my hair. Um, my hair is naturally curly and growing up, I had the most unruly curls. And so many of the products that me and my mom used to make at home were actually uh, to help tame my curls because products just didn't exist at the time. Um, so it was also a very personal choice as well. How much do you think that that business background and being able to have that analytical business point of view and reading those reports really informed this launch? Because you weren't just launching a product, you know, for the fun of it. It was really um, focused on research. Yeah. I mean, I think it changed so much. So it's really interesting. I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. I started my first little brand when I was in middle school. Um, and it's something that I've always loved to do. I love creating things and I love the commerce behind it. Um, but I think one thing that kind of changed my perception about launching a brand after a couple of years in finance um, was, you know, whenever you're going to take a risk, you really need to be strategic about it. I think sometimes the excitement about the what if and the passion of an idea can lead us to take steps too quickly or just to hop right in. Um, I think that happens in all different aspects of our life, even our love life sometimes. Um, but kind of what I learned about really good business practice at Goldman led me to really do my homework before diving straight in. And I wanted to make sure that I really understood the landscape so that I could make sure that whatever business plan I was going to put together, it was really thought out. And at the end of the day, it would help to just maximize my chances of it actually being successful. So you stayed at Goldman until um, that Sephora PO order came in. Is yeah, that correct? seven years. Yeah. <laughs> so walk us through a little bit about how you kind of managed both jobs at the time, launching this business, as well as you know working at Goldman full time, and what you were trying to achieve at the time. 
Yeah. So I know the first couple of years, you know, going through what I went through after my mom's um, passing, you know, during the day at work, it was easy to be focused on work and to be distracted by, you know, I guess what at at the time it was like my 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. But it was really tough on nights and weekends. That's kind of when I had this, you know, blank, you know, headspace to just kind of think about all these different things. So um, for me, the journey of formulating this business plan and taking the next steps was really therapeutic because it gave me something to do outside of work. And that's essentially what it looked like. You know, I'd come home and I'd eat. um, And then from like, you know, maybe 8 until 2 a.m., I would just work on this project. And at the time, I was getting very little sleep. I mean, I was lucky if I was getting four hours at night. Um, After a while, it started to take a toll on me. But in the beginning, I mean, there was just so much adrenaline and so much passion Um, And that's really kind of how I carved out my time. It was after work during the week. And then a lot of my weekends was spent, you know, ideating and planning. So tell us when Sephora did come through, when did you realize that, you know, this was a big business and that you were really kind of having retail distribution in major places and that you were ready to pursue this full time? Yeah. So um, it took me about um, a little over three years before I had my first uh, four products developed. And it was the summer of 2013. And I took my four products to a trade show in Las Vegas um, because someone told me that all the big beauty buyers would be there. And I thought that would be the perfect opportunity to actually get my products in front of the right people. To be honest, I didn't even know any other way besides this trade show. Um, And uh, it was a huge success. I ended up meeting the buyers from Sephora, Urban Outfitters, Fred Siegel. And I actually left that show with a few uh, purchase orders. So from that show, I opened up Urban Outfitters, um, New Beauty. Um, But it wasn't until about six months later that Sephora came back to show interest. And I just know how discerning the merchant team is at Sephora and just even having their buy-in to my wild idea um, really meant a lot to me. And I knew that if I was gonna really pursue the opportunity and maximize it, I couldn't do both anymore. I couldn't work full time and you know try to run a business with Sephora. Um, and also at the same time, I felt really good about the fact that I put seven years in at Goldman. I felt like I paid my dues. Um, I was able to save up some, so that made the decision a lot easier as well. Um, But I just knew that this was going to be my big opportunity, and I had to go for it. And you're the number one fastest growing hair care brand on Sephora.com now, correct? So yeah, we're the fastest fastest growing hair care brand at Sephora, yes. And what other retailers, like talk to us a little bit about your retail distribution strategy now. Yeah, it's interesting because it's evolved so much over time. And um, a lot of it was really a learning lesson for me. I would say starting out, you know, I was just so eager to bring in revenue to, to be able to have money to pay employees and to grow the business. And I probably wasn't as discerning in the beginning about my retail distribution than I am now. Um, I probably took on some retail partners that weren't totally aligned, you know, with the ethos of our brand or um, that could really partner with me to help build brand awareness in the way that, you know, Sephora has for the brand. 
Um, and over the past couple of years, um, I've really changed that way of thinking. And it's so interesting because I just brought in a senior VP of global sales. And you would think that if you bring in a senior sales leader into an organization like mine, during their first six months, they'd be focused on opening up new accounts. And it's been the complete opposite. We've actually closed accounts since she's joined. And she's even taught me so much just about, you know, really focusing and understanding which retailers really make sense for the brand. And that can really help us to tell our story Um, because we're still very much in brand awareness building mode. Um, And so she's really helped me to say bye to some retail partnerships that just didn't, you know, make sense for the brand so that we can use um, our pretty tight resources to focus on the ones that um, are really going to help us in this journey. So you can kind of find beauty anywhere these days. And, you know, there's so much more competition amongst, you know, hair care brands, but skincare brands and makeup brands. How what is working for you in these retail settings? Yeah, I think um, for us, so much of it is storytelling. And I think that there are several things that make our brand different. That's so important for us to be able to, you know, storytell to the client, either on shelf or digitally. Um, Obviously, one of the main ones is the fact that we are a clean hair care brand. Um, We're not a 100% natural or organic brand. It's actually very difficult to create highly effective hair care products if you're 100% natural or 100% organic. That's a totally different story. Um, But we're clean in that um, one of our kind of pillars is our six free methodology, um, where we uh, really did a lot of research to understand what are the top most commonly used ingredients in hair care that have been linked to either health or environmental concerns? and we've eliminated them from all of our products. We have a much longer list beyond the sixth as well uh, that we leave out. Um, But that's a big part of what we do. Um, And we're kind of obsessive about it. You know, for example, we just launched a um, shimmer spray for festival season. And we were so, so specific, one, about not using glitter because because of its environmental impact. Um, And we were really... Uh, cognizant of how we source the mica that we use in our products um, and only partnering with a supplier that would give a certification that there was no child labor in the process. It's ocean friendly. And it wasn't just enough for a supplier to tell us these things. We wanted documents and we needed signatures and we needed to be able to verify it. And that's really the way that we think um, about all of our products and the testing and the diligence that goes on behind the scenes that I think a lot of people um, aren't aware of. Um, And then the other aspect is just the diversity of Briogeo. From day one, I always wanted Briogeo to be hair care for all um, and not just to be a product line that was geared towards textured hair or non-textured hair. I didn't want it to just be about me um, or my friends. I wanted it to be about everyone. So diversity is just such a big part of who we are. Um, And I'm really proud of that because I will say that Hair care has historically been a category that has been more segregated either by hair texture type or ethnicity and really being able to bridge that gap and create a brand that um, no matter your um, skin color or hair type, you feel like you identify with Briogeo as being your brand, which I think is really special. We'll be right back. The success of your business should never be limited by the commerce platform you run on. That's where Shopify Plus comes in. Whether you're kicking off an exclusive flash sale or an epic product drop, you'll be able to process thousands of transactions a minute 
without worrying about broken carts or crash checkouts. The new face of beauty powers your business with speed, scalability, and grace. Join over 5,000 brands on Shopify Plus at shopify.com slash beauty. So Nancy, you touched on a lot of different things there that is happening in beauty overall, specifically with clean. You know, a lot of people have talked about is something clean or something efficacious, is something organic or natural? And is that marketing or is that intrinsic to what you do? How are you constantly reiterating that besides, you know, the example that you just listed? Yeah. So, so much of it is just education. And we try to be really transparent. You know, Um, people will ask us, you know, are you 100 percent organic? And we will never take shortcuts and say, oh, yeah, we are. Some of our products contain organic ingredients. We say no and we explain why. Or if we are something, we say yes, but we make sure to actually back it up. Um, And I'll tell you, too, we're not perfect. We make mistakes sometimes or there's certain things that we don't think about. And I think that's one of the amazing things about social media that I love is that like our client will call us out. And I actually love it. Like sometimes it hurts, but we always become better because of it. Um, And it's something that we embrace. Um, And there's definitely, you know, this community aspect to our brand as well that I think is um, so, so important, really engaging with our client to really understand um, what it is she's looking for, what bothers her, what she wants more of. Um, And one of the things that I'm so excited about that we started rolling out this year, um, but our our, uh, community series brunches where um, I'm traveling to different cities, getting to know our clients over intimate brunch and dinner sessions um, to really take the conversation offline as well, because I don't think it's just about having an interaction, but we're really focused on the quality of interaction with our client. What surprised you about these brunches? Was there anything about your client that you found out that you didn't know before? Yeah, I think one thing that stands out in particular is that our client isn't just about the product. She's about the brand and really connecting to something deeper. Um, I found it interesting that so many of the women were genuinely intrigued and interested in my story because so many of them are pursuing their own passions on the side, whether they're at school or they're at work or they're pursuing a business idea or, you know, boosting their influence on social media. Um, I thought that that was something that was really cool. Our client, too, is really inspired um, and um, really interested in the fact that I'm a female founder and how, you know, she can really kind of tap into learning more Um, about that journey to help fuel her own destiny. Nancy, talk to us a little bit about diversity, because you said that um, Briogeo is very much about all women. How much of your uh, customer base is that diverse customer that you're finding? Yeah, so I I would say one of the challenging things about um, being a brand that works with retailers is that we don't get all the data. I would love all of the data from Sephora, trust me. (laughs) Um, So it's really hard to give exact percentages, um, but based upon what we know from social media and how the client is interacting with us, it's very, very diverse, you know, across all different, um, you know, nationalities and hair texture types, um, which is just so amazing to see. Um, And it's something that just really, really excites me because, again, I think, um, that oftentimes hair care brands really speak to 
you know, one or two types. Um, and then when they do try to speak to other types, it maybe doesn't always feel authentic. Um, so it's definitely, you know, a balance when we think about, you know, our visuals and our, our campaigns and, um, you know, really being thoughtful about that. But based upon what we do know, just from, you know, interacting with her on social, um, she's very diverse from an ethnicity, a hair texture type, and um, from, you know, what she's looking for um, out of her hair care products. Nancy, talk to us a little bit about that, because, you know, the African-American customer, for instance, and you know this well, um, has been very much segmented. You know, you are seeing brands like Suave launch new natural lines or brands like Diva Curl really serve like that curly hair market in a very different way. How do you guys kind of serve everyone, but also target those women as well? Sure. And so it's really interesting because it's something that I had to figure out when I first started Briogeo because I launched with four products. And it's funny because I remember at the time I was so gung-ho on launching with 12 products because I wanted to have this robust assortment for everyone. And someone in the industry really um, swayed me from that. They said, Nancy, you have very limited capital and there's just no way that starting out you can support 12 SKUs. And then also you just need some data to really understand what's working and what's not. So he said, I challenge you to start with no more than four products. And I said, oh my gosh, how am I going to create a diverse product line with just four products? Um, So what I did is I created a universal shampoo, which at the time was our Be Gentle, Be Kind shampoo that everyone could use. Very, very gentle, sulfate-free, hydrating, but not too hydrating, just very balanced. Um, And then we had three texture-specific conditioners. So our Curl Charisma Curl Defining Conditioner, our Blossom and Bloom Volumizing Conditioner, and our Don't Despair Repair Deep Conditioning Mask. So with those three conditioners, we could help provide a solution to women that had maybe fine or thin hair, um, those with wavy, curly, or coily hair types, and then those with dry or damaged hair types. Um, And then from that model, over the years, we really expanded each of those different franchises and have also expanded into scalp care as well. Um, in addition to our um, frizz control line for clients that have frizz but don't have curly hair. Um, So we really think of our brand as problem solution, and we've created each of our different collections um, based upon that. Knowing that you don't know all the data from some of your retailers, how are you guys investing in your own site and your own digital initiatives? Yeah, it's it's been really exciting, and it's something that we really started focusing on about a year ago. Um, really exciting. My brother, my older brother, he's six years older. He joined the company um, last year um, as our VP of e-commerce. And before he came on, to be honest, we weren't really giving much attention to our direct to consumer website just because we didn't have the in-house talent to do so or the bandwidth. Um, And so since he started, it has been incredible to see the growth in direct to consumer. I mean, he's done everything from, you know, uh, transforming our website, um, focusing on user experience, um, also working um, towards developing our digital ad campaigns that we do on Facebook, Instagram, through Google. We're starting to explore more out of home as well. Um, so the focus has definitely increased a ton over the past year. But I will say the first year was a lot of testing and learning. There's so many intricacies to digital advertising that I just never knew about, um, including you know creating custom audiences that are more... Um, inclined to interact with the product or service that you have to offer. But it really is, it's more than a full-time job. 
Um, but I'm really, really excited to be growing out that part of the business, especially too, because it'll allow us to have more data on our client than we've had before to make sure that we're making you know, the most informed decisions about how we grow the business. Are there things that are working or not working for you guys, whether it is, you know, paid promotions or influencer marketing? Like, what are you feeling in those early stages um, with the site? Yeah. So I will say one of the things that's really tough about hair care and probably the same for skin care is the fact that it's very hard to show an instant result through advertising. And it's so funny because we just launched our Sea Goddess Hair and Body Shimmer Mist. And it's a product that you do see like an instant payoff with um, through the Mica Shimmer. And we started running ads on that. And it has been our highest performing um, ad series that we've ever run. And we really do attribute it to the fact that you can see this instant result. So I think the challenge for us is how do we tell our story in a really short period of time, but also how do we do it in a way where we can build client confidence when we may not be able to show that instant result the way that, say, you know, a color cosmetic brand can. With the new product launches that are coming up this year, are there any kind of through lines that you can do that with? Um, yeah, there are actually. Um, and I will say that um, definitely the shimmer spray being one of them. Um, we have a uh, volumizing product that we're launching in May um, that definitely is a instant result product as well, which is really exciting. Um, but some of the other products that we have launching um, later this year, especially um, within our Be Well collection, um, we have a supplement launching. That's one that's a lot harder to do, um, but we are doing clinical trials. So I think that's one of the things that we do leverage when we can't show that instant result is really being able to support our product efficacy with product claims and trials. Um, Nancy, you veered off into other territories um, recently. Your wellness oils are new. You sell a rose quartz comb on your site, which is veering into the lifestyle. Talk to us a little bit about kind of those tangential categories. Yeah, so um, really exciting. In January, we launched a new collection called B.Well, Be Well, which stands for Briogeo Wellness. Um, and it's a collection that um, I was so excited to launch because, you know, before I even launched Briogeo officially, I knew based on my research and just my own personal lifestyle that clean and a healthy way of thinking extends beyond just hair. And um, I love this wellness movement that is uh, cultivating. I mean, like, how cool is it to have, you know, self-care be a trend? You know, it's pretty amazing. And I felt like this new category was the perfect opportunity for Briogeo to tell a bigger story with how we think about ingredients and how we think about um, a wellness lifestyle. Um, and so part of what we've been doing is really curating a very specific assortment of beauty wellness essentials. Um, for example, the castor and tea tree oil that we launched in January. Um, I've been using castor oil since I was a kid, um, but even more so in my adult life, um, I use it um, on my eyebrows and my eyelashes to help thicken them and keep them really, really healthy. When I was younger, I used to make um, almost like a, a pomade for my curls using castor oil because it's so viscous. Um, but it's interesting because historically, you know, most people would buy castor oil in mass on Amazon. Um, and the important thing I think to note is that not all oils are one and the same. 
Um, there's different purity levels depending upon how it's extracted, how it's farmed. And we just put so much thought into where we were sourcing um, our different oils. For example, um, our castor oil is um, sourced from India. And we actually partner with the only farm that works with an organization called Fair for Life that ensures that all the workers are making fair um, wages. Um, They also reinvest 10% of the proceeds back into the local communities. And they actually let the communities vote to decide how those funds are allocated. Um, They also use a very unique cold uh, pressed extraction method um, because oftentimes people think like, oh, cold press, it's it's better. But oftentimes the pressure that's applied to the seed or the nut during the extraction process creates heat, which is counterintuitive to it being cold pressed. So uh, they use a very advanced cold press method that actually temperature controls the pressure part of the process. I can go on and on, but like... (laughs) That's just kind of a glimpse into how thoughtful we have been about each of these products that we're um, launching within Be Well and why it really matters um, as well, because you do pay a premium. Um, Our castor oil is $26. And, you know, we see sometimes on our ads where people say, oh, I can go on Amazon and buy it for four. Um, But there's a lot more to it than I think a lot of people think or, or know. A lot of that um, is happening across wellness. You know, we had Shrankla from Uma Oils on here a couple of weeks ago, and she talked about that too, this idea of, you know, bringing things that are kind of more mainstream or simple, like uh, turmeric powder or a castor oil, and making it premium. How do you kind of um, justify that from a customer perspective? Yeah, you know, and sometimes it's difficult. Like, you know, even when we give our anecdotes about how we source and Um, You know, also, too, it's more expensive because we're reinvesting, you know, profits back into the communities. Sometimes it's never enough. And what we have to say, too, is, you know, it's not for everyone. There are some people that I think maybe don't care as much. Um, Maybe they're using castor oil for different reasons um, and are fine with, you know, what they may be, you know, buying in mass that may be cheaper. Um, But I think that there are a lot of clients out there that really do care. They care about how products are sourced or they just want the highest uh, quality possible. So that's really, you know, who we're catering to. Um, We're really catering to all, which is why it was really important that even though the castor oil is more expensive, I mean, it's not an $80 castor oil. um, (laughs) So it's still affordable, though it is, you know, a premium. And that's something that we have to balance as well, because Briogeo for all is not just about hair type and ethnicity. It's also about, you know, um, using high quality ingredients, but making sure that things don't get too expensive where we're counting out most people because of the cost. With these launches in other categories, would you see yourself ever going into something like skincare? Well, you know, that's the cool thing about Be Well, um, is that it really allows us to do so much. Um, And I'm so excited about it because, you know, technically I think of, you know, the castor and tea tree oil that we've launched so far to be skin and hair hybrids. Um, And as we get into the fall and we launch more Be Well products, there will be more products that are specific to skin. So I'm really excited about the flexibility that this collection allows us. Nancy, it was reported that you guys topped $15 million in revenue last year with so many products and so many different um, categories coming up in 2019. What can you tell us about growth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we actually finished closer to 20, which is pretty insane. 
And um, we're obviously looking to increase that uh, this year and continuing to grow and to build our team. Um, but I think so much of that growth is going to come from just, you know, continuing to create innovative um, products across hair, across wellness, um, really building our team. I'm so excited. I just hired my first few executives a couple of months ago. These are some of the smartest people that I respect in beauty who are now working on my team, which I feel so grateful for. Um, and then just really, again, increasing that focus. It's not about the quantity of our accounts, but it's the quality. Um, focusing on our international expansion with Sephora. We actually just launched in Sephora Middle East, Southeast Asia, Australia, Europe, a lot of exciting things. And I think as we just continue to focus on what makes Briogeo unique and um, you know, creating awareness now globally, that's really going to be the big uh, key to our success. Last question, Nancy. There's so much acquisition and investing happening in beauty right now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's so exciting. I mean, I think what's also really exciting is at least so many of the beauty brand founders that I know are women. And to see women getting so much interest from, you know, VCs and PEs and really just making their mark on this industry is just so, so phenomenal. So I think it's exciting. Um, and, you know, I'm just I'm very open minded. Um, we've been lucky to have been in a position to be profitable and to be able to bootstrap. Um, but I know that as we continue to grow, the dynamics of our business will change, which, you know, may require um, outside funding. Um, so, you know, I'm open to it so long as it means that we can continue doing the awesome things that we've been doing from day one. But you're not actively looking. Um, currently, I am exploring opportunities. I'm always open-minded. We've gotten a lot of interest from a lot of great people, big and small. So I will always be open-minded and have conversations. Perfect. Thank you so much, Nancy. It's great having you. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. A special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. As a thank you for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription of Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members have access to unlimited content, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's 80% off by entering the code INTRO at checkout. For more information, head to glossy.co slash subscribe. Before you go, be sure to sign up for our new Glossy Beauty and Wellness Briefing a weekly newsletter that will keep you up to date with our coverage and analysis of these growing industries. Sign up is simple and easy. Just head to glossy.co slash beauty email to join today. We'll talk to you next week.